keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Total and Marks. I am the king of sad style, the man with the largest calves in the world, the St. Germain event. Joining me, as always, Andy Cups, Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Zach Attack. Let's get this fuck party started. Number one, SummerSlam on a boat. That's right, folks. SummerSlam is apparently going to be on a giant fucking boat this year. Uh, I, I guess they tried to do it in the Northeast already, but nobody, I guess, like the Coast Guard hasn't given them approval. So they've got to find some place they can, they, can, they, can, they can do the whole damn thing from a giant boat. Are you more excited about SummerSlam if, if, it, is in the, if it is on like a Carnival cruise ship? I'm more excited if it's a fucking boat. I mean, I kind of want to see like weird orgies in the background while there's a match going on. If they can't get that, maybe they can get the uh, the USS Intrepid, the uh, Yokozuna Lex Luger boat. That's, I mean, that's the worst orgy ever. Um, Trump is going to send is going to send um, that that ship that was docked in the Hudson down there, the one that they ended up not using for much of anything. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, what was it? There's like six people on it in total. Yeah, like how many sick people did they actually treat on that boat? I don't know, but Trump has decided we got to put it to good use, and SummerSlam is uh, going to be held. <laughs> to, to be fair, a lot of the guys that are going to be at SummerSlam could use that COVID help because uh, there are some <laughs> sick, sick fucking people that are going to be at SummerSlam. <laughs> How hot uh, is that going to be? Those guys sitting outside for four or five hours wearing masks. Like the NXT guys still won't get chairs. They all have to stand. Uh, but they're going to be out in that beating sun. They're going to be passing out from exhaustion. I don't, I don't think they're going to do it on a boat. I, I don't think that's happening. I think they're going to try really hard to do it outside somewhere. But I, I really think it's going to be at the Performance Center. I, I think maybe they'll decorate that like a boat. <laughs> That's, dude, if they just, like, they just, like, do what you do in, like, uh, roller car derbies where they just, like, like, on the outside of the canvas, they just attach boat parts, you know? No, no, uh, they, they get in touch with, with Andrew Lawrence, and they get the set from Money Plane with those, uh, a couple airplane pieces and a fuck ton of curtains, and we're, <laughs> we're, take, we're, we're filming this live from the, an airplane over international space, so there's no rules. It's Extreme Rules uh, SummerSlam. <laughs> well, you have to do a themed match, right? So what, what theme match do you think uh, would happen there? You have to utilize the summer, right? Right. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I do not trust, I do not trust Vince yeah. with, with anything political right now. 
Um, no, I don't think it's going to be blue. I, I, I like a gimmick, like a, like an underwater, you know, like a bikini bottom match. <laughs> Maybe like a BP oil, like that's that's kind of what the company feels like. If they 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 can't, yeah. But back in the day, it was just like like a Brazzers infomercial, right? I mean, it was just like what like, SummerSlam. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of felt like that for me. I mean, I I specifically remember stealing the SummerSlam edition of um. WWE magazine from CVS when I was in middle school because it had like all the centerfolds and stuff. That was that was how you got booked back then. I wonder. That's how I, I got I'm actually booked, surprised yeah. with how with how poorly the ratings are doing right now that they haven't completely reverted back to showing puss. To showing, yeah, just showing titties. Yeah, I agree. And I, I I don't understand how they. I mean, they've already done the throw the urine in the face. I, I just don't understand how the women's revolution is still happening when the ratings are going down. Cause if I'm, if I'm Vince, like I I'm surprised he hasn't brought Sable back at this point. He's brought back everybody else. I don't think you want to see Sable in HD. I think that's going to be like, that's going to be so leathery and, and gross that Brock's going to try to kill it. Um, <laughs> porn, internet porn search polling shows that people would actually secretly be very into that. So into watching Brock kill his wife? No, 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 into the leathery oh, okay. skin. I'm sorry, once he <laughs> okay. started talking about Sable, I started fantasizing about her, <laughs> her old skin. You could do a, like a, a, like a um, castaway theme and just have Sable play Wilson the Beach Ball, you know, something like that. And yeah, that's, that's an all right idea. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if this, I, I guess this will make it better, who the fuck knows. There's gonna be a pool, there will be a pool for sure. Yeah, but the thing is that Randy Randy Orton's wrestling on this show, and he's got a certain lack of tolerance for bullshit. So I think if anything that he's involved in, he's going to make sure that it's not another Punjabi prison or, or fighting in Bray Wyatt's uh, abandoned cabin thing anymore. Yeah. I think it's going to be knock the shit off. To Bray Wyatt about that. I think I think that's where SummerSlam should be. It should be on the Wyatt compound, but you have it. You just decorate it a little different. You know, you make it like a summery backyard or whatever, and then at some point you shift it. And Wyatt says, this is my sewer swamp the whole time. <laughs> and then everybody there goes, oh, no. And then he sucks them all into his world. And WWE ends. It's like the last episode of WWE. I think that's what should happen. I, if they I, make I, it that far. I think I told – did I tell everybody uh, this on the podcast? I know I told – you and Robert this in private, Scott. But yeah, dirt, the swamp fight was filmed at a buddy of mine's house. And, you know, it's just like a nice, it's just a nice neighborhood in Florida. <laughs> it's not, it's like they, they didn't go. So I can't imagine like, like what they would do for a boat. Like if it would just be something like in, I don't know. It's going like like the set of Gilligan's Island, dude, I'm telling you. Right, it would be it would be really embarrassing. It would. Can they do like the pool, like the last episode of Nitro when they like had the ring like floating above a pool and like Daytona Beach in some shitty motel? I would love that. If they just leaned into the dude, if they did leaned into if they instead of like Extreme Rules the Horror Show, they did Florida the Horror Show. That would be the best fucking like yeah, just like like have you ever seen that movie? What what, what was the movie that was um, it was it was like loosely scripted uh 
Sunshine State. I don't. I, it was the movie that just no. That what what's I think like William Defoe was in a couple of years ago. Oh, um, what's well, not Sunshine State? I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't think of it. That that really depressing one about people living in like rental communities down here. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it, uh, I think. It's not <laughs> you hear him typing it. Google.com. <laughs> Google. Google. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, hold He's on. such a genius. We're he going, types to, I, like we're going to IMDb. Yeah. For the, for the cross <laughs> section of wrestling fan who also loves art house films. Yeah. <laughs> They're yelling at their, their Spotify right now. Like, how do you not know this Willem Dafoe classic? <laughs> the Florida Project. That's what it was. Okay. Ty- typing like he's a genius. <laughs> yeah, that's you. Florida project. Uh, they could yeah, take it here, in the yeah, Florida projects. Like, yeah, just do it in the Florida projects. <laughs> just, just have like they should have Desantis come in, and I don't know, throw the first pitch, which will just be, I guess, the skull of somebody who died during this. I'm not sure. Yeah, he can he can guest ref the way that uh, Jesse Ventura did years ago. It's like, well, what? We just get governors and they can guest referee matches. Um, <laughs> well, the hopefully thing it, is. You can't have SummerSlam outdoors with fans. Can you send kids back to school? And so I think this, I think SummerSlam is what the world is waiting to see. And and that's why I think it needs to have people there. To be fair, most curriculums in Florida involve just watching SummerSlam. So (laughs) we have some shitty fucking schools down here. They're doing, yeah, so they're going to, they're going to probably do it. There's going to be some sort of fucking boat theme. The matches that have been announced so far, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre, which, you know, I'm excited about that match in a bubble, but I thought the way they built up to it was just so anticlimactic on Monday. You have Randy Orton announced right at the top of the show for no other reason than, oh, I want to be WWE champion. Then you take the stipulation off the Drew and Dolph match, so it's non-title, and you still have Drew go over, and then Randy Orton comes, and, and then they, you know, they wonder why they have the lowest third hour. <laughs> it's like because people could see where this is going a mile away. I was still surprised at how low the raw rating went for that third hour because I thought, if nothing else, getting to see Drew and Dolph again, knowing you're guaranteed a really good main event, was going to keep people in place. And uh, I don't know what the audience in 2020 wants. This was going to be a guaranteed entertaining wrestling match with two guys who can deliver, which is very rare that WWE can promise something that you want to see, and people just seem to tune out. Yeah. People were just, people were burned out. People were burned out. I, I, think, I think they're going to give Orton the title because of it. I would definitely give Orton the title if they can. Yeah, I think they're going to do it at SummerSlam. I think, uh, you know, and then Drew will get his win back uh, in front of a crowd. Again, maybe not even against Orton, but against somebody. But, uh, yeah, I think I think they're probably shitting their pants to to a degree. And and for as lame as the, the setup was, Orton's promo on Raw was great. When he's yeah. motivated, because this is the first time in a long time, he's, he's definitely motivated. I think not having to travel to all these godforsaken cities has revitalized him. Um, but his promo was uh, was really spot on. He's been on fire this year. I mean, I think there's an argument for him being, you know, wrestler of the year. Yeah, definitely. yeah. You know, maybe not in ring. He's not, you know, he's not coming close to some of the people in either company. But as far as promos, it's it's hard to, 
real. I mean, it, there's, there's, there's not. I can't think of somebody who blows him away. No, as far as promos for this year. Can you, Scott? No, no, and I, I don't want to say that. I wish I could say somebody else. Yeah. Uh, also, um, the other match that has been announced is the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza, which they just had a non-title version of that match, I think, two weeks ago with the Street yeah. Profits going over. Yeah. So, yeah, but we haven't seen them go mini-golfing yet, so that's really <laughs> going to turn the fucking tide uh, when uh, when they do a pie-eating contest. <laughs> now, and Robert, not the one that Scott's going to want. That's from a couple weeks ago, or does he actually – like, is this overthinking, like, is there, some, is there something to this overthinking of a booking? I think that they, they realize they have, there's three, there's four tag teams on Raw, and three of them are baby faces. So if it's not going to be Ricochet and Cedric Alexander in a, in a baby face, baby face tag match, and it's not going to be uh, the Viking Raiders again, you kind of have to go with, with uh, Garza and Andrade, who keep almost breaking up and then staying together. And it's very, it's very convoluted. It's clear they're booking week to week and that Vince just assumes the audience isn't going to remember what happened three weeks ago because we didn't do a replay. And that's very much part of his philosophy. If he wants you to remember something, you're going to get a replay. If he doesn't want you to remember it, he never mentions it and they just hope that you forget. And if you do remember it, then you're a fucking mark and you don't deserve to watch his product. Yeah. And I actually think most of us know that watching it and and it becomes uh very unappealing and so it's like i mean the tag division is so irrelevant i i don't i I would love to see the numbers uh on that because i and i love andrade i uh and i think they could be a great team but just zero interest holy shit it's 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 kind of crazy because in 2009 2010 i felt like that the problem from a WWE fan was you were watching this and you were like, I can't believe they're pushing this guy or this girl. You're like, I, I would push somebody else. And now everyone in that match, I think is very entertaining. And one of them, Montez Ford, I think could be a huge star for him. So I don't yeah. fault anybody who's actually involved in that match, but it's actually the booking that's making me unexcited. And, 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 and the over, it's not like, oh, I have to see this guy. It's like, oh, I don't care about this, even though on paper, I like every single one of these guys. I think that's true for most of the, the matches and most of the segments that take place on Raw. I don't think there's anybody who's now being wasted or, or not being pushed in some capacity. You know, guys like Apollo and, and Mustafa Ali and, and even what they're doing with MVP and Lashley and all those guys, they're getting opportunities. They're getting put in the right position. And then someone like Dolph Ziggler just got to main event uh, a pay-per-view for a title feud with Drew McIntyre. They're putting the right people, but because there's no crowd, there's no the people like that herd mentality. They like to feel like, this guy's super over. Listen to the roar of the audience. I got to get okay. behind him. If, if the Street Profits had an audience where they were actually engaged and not just employees cheering for their friends, you would, you would feel that. It, it goes back, Dan, to your point of going back way further. It's like you, you think back to someone like Diesel who got super over in a hurry because the audience loved him on, on TV and other fans got excited to see him because he was getting that reaction. Uh, you had that with Becky Lynch a few years ago. The crowd likes to feel like, you know, I'm not the only one liking them and, and I'm part of the trend going forward. 
and the guys are in the right position, there's just no audience for it. And there's such a few, there's such a small amount of, of guys on the roster. You're seeing the same eight or nine people every single week, three or four times. We're also going to see Dominic in his first match, at least hopefully. That, that seems like that's actually the only match I'm really looking forward to is Dominic versus Seth or Dominic and Ray versus Seth and Buddy. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Either one, I'm going to be excited. And I think the reason that I'm excited for it is they haven't fucked up Dominic yet. And, uh, like, part of me is like, maybe this guy is going to be the thing. Have him go over. Fuck I don't it. think he's going to be the thing, but I, <laughs> I like it. I have fun. I think he's quick on his feet. I think he comes off not like a wrestler which I like because he's not a fucking wrestler. Um, and as long as they like, don't take him too seriously in the ring, I think it could work. Robert, I, f- I feel like you hate his guts. Fuck Dominic. Um, <laughs> everything he's involved in is cursed. Uh, he, he is the harbinger. He is why we have COVID. So you know what? Uh, fuck you, Dominic. On the other hand, I know he trained with Landstorm, and I'm really excited to see what he can do in the ring. But, but again, uh, just go fuck yourself, Dominic. Does Lance say he's any good? Uh, yeah, Lance. Lance said he's he's he. You know, he was teaching him really in the infancy, but he said he's he's definitely shows a lot of quickness. He picks it up really well. It's tough because of who his dad is that you're always going to be compared to to Ray. But he's he's more than capable. And to Scott's point, when he's on camera, he moves really really well. I hate saying positive things about him getting nauseous. He does move very well. I, I'm yeah, fu- I just I I hope uh, I you know whatever wrestling knowledge he has in the ring and his ability, it's obviously going to be limited. I'm sure he's going to surprise us with like a kip up or something, and we'll think that's cool. Um, but I hope they make him act more than wrestle because I don't want to see the simple moves. I rather see the story of yeah, he's actually kind of just training. Well, we're never going to know until we see him in gear, right? Like. Maybe he puts on a singlet and we're like, holy shit. Well, the gear, I don't know, the gear. I wasn't even thinking about gear yet. I mean, I feel like that's going to be like, because when you saw Ronda Rousey in gear and you saw her wrestle, you're like, oh, like when I first saw Ronda in WWF ring, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work look wise. But then when I saw her actually wrestle, I'm like, wow, she's she's great. She's one of the best in ring wrestlers they have. Um, and she looked good in gear. So I'm, I don't know why I'm comparing. I'm comparing Dominic to Ronda Rousey. That's how much I want something. Do you different. give him a mask? I don't know. I, maybe but he can take it off a lot, but isn't that anti-lucha? It's way too hard for someone to wrestle to begin with, let alone restricting their vision. Right. So I think that's a challenge. I, I think the narrative they can tell is that, you know, Dominic challenges them to a match and he's home quarantined with Ray and they can do training videos from their house. I like that a lot. I, uh, yeah, I, I, either way, I think that uh, SummerSlam is going to be a little underwhelming this year. But to, to plug our Patreon, what won't be underwhelming, I'm a really great salesperson. Uh, we're going to be watching uh, five of the highest-rated David Meltzer SummerSlam matches. Uh, these are these are classics: British Bulldog versus Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Title at Wembley Stadium. Randy Orton versus Chris Benoit for the World Heavyweight Championship. Edge versus Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, 
And uh, what are the other two matches that we have here? John Cena, Daniel Bryan, and uh, CM Punk, Jeff Hardy. So those were the five uh, top-rated Meltzer main events for SummerSlam um, because we don't bother ourselves with the undercard. Fuck that. Right. It's, oh. But it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, man, WWE can be great, and SummerSlam can be great. I just don't, I don't know if they have the tools to make this one happen. Um, number two, Sasha becoming a double champion after throwing a temper tantrum and walking out. Is she the new Shawn Michaels? No, I was just, I was just thinking about how crazy it was that like a year and a half ago, she actually walked out of the company and now she's, I mean, in ring, she's, uh, she's like what, top two, maybe top three. You know, if you want to say EO and Charlotte are a little bit better in the ring. Well, Asuka. Asuka. Yeah. EO, Charlotte, Asuka. Naya. <laughs> <laughs> Tamina. Yeah, Tamina. <laughs> I mean, she's not going to be, she's not Shawn Michaels unless one of her eyes starts slowly wandering towards Bailey in the middle of a match. Um, but I, I think it's, it is, it's telling that occasionally, you know, talent rises to the top and despite being booked pretty terribly for most of her, her main event run uh, or her main roster run, they, they've kind of given her and Bailey the ball for the women's division. And they're just like, we're going to use you on raw and SmackDown all the time because we've lost Charlotte. We've lost Becky. We lost Rhonda, uh, you know, run with it. And they seem to be having a, a really good time. Yeah, that's actually why I don't think she uh, is like Sean at all, because, um, <clears throat> sorry, um, because oh, I just totally lost my, my thought. I'm sorry. Hold on. I got this. She's actually enjoying it? No, because she isn't forcing this. Their top women are actually gone. Boom. That's what I was going to say thought of the day <laughs> that's why it was so hard to get out it was the best thought it, it she can't be sean because who is she who is she screwing yeah, over she's the only had that problem scott she's the only one there though oh yeah she uh, that, that is a good point i mean who else do you go with if it's not her i mean i mean dude they tried to go with naya before her like a, a month and a half ago they were they were trying to go with naya before her so it's like it's almost disrespectful that it they had to wait this long. Which, by the way, bless Vince McMahon's heart for the whole, oh, you guys want Shayna Baszler back on TV? Fine. She has to work a program with Nia Jax. And my only concern is Nia accidentally injuring uh, Shayna or stiffing Shayna and Shayna beating the ever-living fuck out of her, which would be kind of entertaining. I, I mean, I think that's what should be the storyline. I, I have a question, though. Do you think that who do you think would win in a shoot fight? I mean, I know Shayna's got UFC experience, but Nia's literally got 100 pounds on her. Mm, I think it's It Shana. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah I it's Shayna. It's Shayna easy. Nia's way too nice of a person, and part of the reason why I think that people are getting injured with her is she's trying to overcompensate because she's very uh, loose in the ring and, and doesn't have that kind of killer instinct intensity. And everything with her outside of the ring, she, she seems like a very sweet person, which I feel bad she got driven off Twitter by, you know, assholes with, you know, parody wrestling accounts making fun of her all the time for injuring everyone. But <laughs> I, I think part of her, part of the concern was she was so light in what she was doing. She was trying really extra hard and then just kept breaking other people. And now we're stuck with Sasha and Bailey. 
Well, it, it, it is pretty cool. I mean, they, I mean, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make two people the two woman power trip, it's got to be Bailey and Sasha. Nobody else. Like, thank God it wasn't the Bella Twins, right? And they do well in the ratings, right? I don't even know what does. I think well. when they were when they were on NXT, uh, they were doing really well ratings wise. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. think of that. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. They're phenomenal. I, I mean, I think I think Bailey has been like a huge highlight too. And, and I, I was never uh, really that into her, but this is like, definitely where she should be. This is like, I guess, a Sting Undertaker discussion. But do you like Britt Baker or Bailey better? I, I think Bailey's better in the ring, obviously, but Baker as a character, I think, is more fun, right? Yeah, yeah. But the Karen haircut that uh, that yeah, Bailey has great. is so perfect. Yeah, I, will, I love it. Thank you, baby. <laughs> Why is Bailey there? <laughs> she really is everywhere. She's on Raw, SmackDown, Total F, and Mark. And she's not even talking. She's just getting Dan a, a beverage. <laughs> Thanks, baby. Uh, number three, uh, AEW Dynamite, NXT. Which show do you guys got? Robert, we'll start with you. So this one's this one's tough because there was a lot on Dynamite that I genuinely didn't like, um, but it was it made me feel even if a lot of it was just kind of like boy this is bad versus a uh, most of NXT was pretty forgettable. Uh, so I guess by default I'm gonna give it to Dynamite. Scott, wow, uh, I'm actually surprised by that Dynamite was super underwhelming to me last night. Something about every finish felt really uh, insignificant. And I know, I know you can have weeks like that, but it just seemed like every single moment kind of went nowhere um, or came out of nowhere and therefore was kind of inconse inconsequential. Um, so I liked NXT more this week because since I wasn't getting the type of story I'm used to with AEW, I just was basing it off of pro wrestling and NXT had a, some, some good ass pro wrestling with, I mean, dude, that one film spot with Dexter Loomis doing the floor and it was clearly yeah. edited like that. I mean, boo all the way, never do that again. <laughs> I want to, I want to vote for dynamite because of that. But uh, yeah, I just got to go with NXT. It was just a better wrestling show and AEW didn't deliver a great like character driven show last night. He's like a fuck perv? Like, what is he? Like a serial killer fucking kink.com guy? Fuck perv. I love that. Let's <laughs> see the fuck pervs. There's a lot the of F-bombs on this show this week. Yeah, I like this. Is like, this is not a family-friendly edition of Total no, F and Mark. We've got to keep these ratings up. But well, I want to thank everybody who's listened the past couple of weeks. We've, we've More people are listening every week. So, uh I think I said uh, fuck party last week. So every week I'm going to say fuck party more. Come for the fuck, stay for the wrestling. Yes, season, our season finale will be an actual fuck party. Uh, and uh, Enzo will be DJing. So it'll be, it'll be cool. Uh, let's, go through, uh, let's go through Dynamite. Uh, we open up in a 10-man tag team match, Best Friends and Jurassic Express versus the Inner Circle. I was really pumped to see Sammy back in the ring. The match, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the match. I, I, I do wish that, um, Sam, I mean, like, I'm not even going to, like, uh, yes, I wish Sammy had gotten the win, um, but 
uh, I, I think even even the the way the match was laid out, it just felt a little bit. I don't know. It just felt like there wasn't really anything cohesive that was happening. And and AEW has had some really great multi man matches, like the eight man match they had a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this match highlights uh, a, a lot of why knocking WWE style is, is kind of the wrong idea. Uh, WWE structures their matches, and the argument is, well, every match seems the same. But then you get a match like this where it felt like not everybody was taking this match as seriously. And the pacing of it was, was totally off. And Jim Ross four or five different times kept pointing out, everybody's in the ring. The referee has no control. This makes no sense. This is stupid. So as a, as a fan watching the show, it's like, well, then why am I watching this if this is dumb? And it's even dumber, and this is to get really granular in terms of booking, when you know that you have a main event that's a tornado tag match, you should never have yeah. a multi-man match where everybody's in the ring all the time. Uh, this should have been totally about keeping everybody separate so that when you get to your tornado tag, you're excited for it. And there was a couple of really sloppy production fuck-ups in this match uh, and then later, which I'll, I'll touch on. I'm just kind of planting that seed now. Yeah. Uh, th yeah, this match was contrived and yet sloppy, which is the worst thing to watch. Like, guys kind of really? hesitate while they do, like, this organized shitstorm. Uh, yeah, it felt like some guys were paying attention during the walkthrough of this match, during the discussion of this match, and some guys were just like, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, didn't work for me in any way. And then for the finish, look, I, I like that the finish is focusing on a Sammy storyline as opposed to a Jericho storyline. Um, I, I did like seeing that, that it was the inner circle, but Jericho wasn't the focus quite, you know, at the end of the match at least. Um, but the fact that it's fucking Matt Hardy and then the way Matt comes out and the way he talks and it, it just, uh, it, it wasn't entertaining to me at all. I did like watching uh, Luchasaurus try to keep his mask on oh, as best as he could. That. And then Jim Ross's line of, I know that guy, when you saw his mask slightly off, it was like he was more obsessed with trying to keep his mask on than anything else. And it became kind of distracting to a point where I just felt terrible for the guy. Yeah, Ross. Ross was an MVP last night, for sure. He was... Well, uh, they didn't have Excalibur, so Tony Khan... Apparently Excalibur is getting suspended because... Like, this was yeah. 17 years ago. He was in an angle where he used the N-word. But it was a situation where the other wrestler uh, who was there, I forget who the other wrestler was. I think it was Human Tornado. Human Tornado. And it was an angle he was a part of. Like, they were both – it was it was an angle that obviously was in bad taste. It doesn't hold up well. But it was like, you know, Excalibur was playing a character. And – if that's the reason that he was suspended last night, I mean, that's... that's. I, I just don't know how that's legal still. I, I don't get how, like, something, right? something like that you did before, how that could get you suspended from a job you have currently. I don't quite understand that. Well, you can, you can be... You have morals clauses in your contract. You can oh, be okay. suspended or fired at any time for any reason, not to mention the fact that it's based out of, uh, out of Florida. Um, where, where their laws are in Florida is a right-to-work state. So you can be suspended or fired for, for no reason whatsoever. Uh, that being said, I actually really love the uh, Shivani, Taz, Jim Ross commentary team. So I don't really need Excalibur back ever. Well, I mean, I, I actually think Excalibur brings something to the show, and I think he's improved a lot. I, I, I don't think it's right 
to, you know, I think that people need to make a, like, it's like when Sammy was suspended for a month, like, it was something he said. It wasn't, he wasn't in an angle playing a character. Right. It's a different situation. Like, it's clear, it's clearly, I have no idea whether or not Excalibur is racist in his personal life. It doesn't seem like he's going to David Duke rallies. I, I have no, I can't fucking speak on the man. But if it was a situation where it wasn't a shoot interview and it was an angle where all the people who were involved in the angle signed off on it beforehand because it was in the indies, it, it wasn't, you know, for a big company like WWF or, or WCW, it's like, where do we draw the line? It's, at some point, people need to stand up and be like, this is a different situation than this. And it does become kind of a war on art and free speech. And I understand because it was a shitty angle. I wouldn't have, I would not have chose to produce that angle. I don't think it was very good, but it was an angle. <laughs> it wasn't a shoot. Right. It's like saying Edward Norton is canceled because he was an American history X. And right. as a white supremacist character, he used the N word. It, it's kind of, Maybe maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's something great like Excalibur got COVID. Uh, like fingers crossed, that's all it is. <laughs> and then it wasn't because this weird, you, you know. Guys, am I the only guy here who likes Excalibur? Am I just like? The oh no no, I like Excalibur oh. a lot. I like Excalibur a lot, but I think especially after last night, you can tell that uh, Jim Ross doesn't like him very much because he was having a ball, and I think part of it was Excalibur wasn't there. I think I'm, I'm, I like Excalibur. He's perfectly fine in that role. I think I'm biased because I, I like Taz. I like Jim Ross. I like Tony Schiavone. I've worked with all of them. I can tell when they're having fun. And the three of them were having a blast. And that becomes infectious. And that, to me, carried parts of matches that weren't that great. Because it's like, all right, at least I can enjoy the commentary and these guys ripping on each other. Like the shot that uh, Jim Ross took, at Shivani after there was the uh, the FTR segment. It's like, Tony, you were great in that segment. Like, it's just, it's fun listening to them break each other's balls because that's how they are. Yeah. But, you know what, in Vince McMahon's defense, there were times last night that I wish Vince was yelling at JR. Like, I thought he, like, he was going, like, too far. Yeah. And to the point of where I'm like, all right, guys, come on, put, this is a fucking show. Help me suspend disbelief for a second. I never really minded, the, for the most part, Vince in announcers' ears, keeping them, uh, you know, within the lane. I think when he was micromanaging to such a, a large extent, it was challenging. But there were certain guys who, like JBL, would be on commentary on SmackDown. And even though he's got Vince in his ear, he still managed to find a way to be entertaining and engaging without getting so far off the reservation. Uh, Jim Ross can sometimes lean into his worst... Uh, his worst impulses and it you can tell when he's when he's drifting in traffic and all of a sudden it's uh jim forgot he's on tv and you, you can hear the moscow mule shaking in the background <laughs> uh next up the tnt championship match uh war horse versus cody i i did not like this match i, I thought war horse i mean i i think that that i've never seen him in an independent setting and I can see how the way the way he wrestles, he, it's probably a blast to watch him if you're at the Hammerstein Ballroom or at a Ring of Honor show and, you know, it's not being produced for TV. It's probably a lot of fun. But in an empty arena setting, man, that gimmick, it's, it's just like, it's like listening to Friends Without a Laugh Track. It just feels very out of place. What did you guys think of the match? 
I, I think exactly what you said, man. I, I really wanted to like the match. You know, I'm, I, I was unfamiliar with them, but I know that, you know, fans were asking for it on Twitter. And I that was really cool that they gave, they gave the fans that because that was something I was seeing constantly. And I thought some of uh, the promos I saw online are like super funny. And I do get how it would work somewhere. It didn't work here. It felt like uh, super, super amateur. And uh, this, w- this is a knock on, on the, uh, the commentators. At the end of it, I think they, they forgot to acknowledge that he pushes Cody out of the way to fight the Dark Order guys, which is like a save. That's like a heroic thing to do. Um, and they didn't mention that. They were just like, well, what is the Dark Order recruiting right now? Like while he's trying to fight them off when he didn't have to, he could have just let Cody get attacked. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, they didn't take him really seriously. And I don't really blame him. I feel like a dick saying that, but ugh. No, I mean, that's the whole point of, like, that does make the stipulation a little exciting, though. Like, some weeks we're going to have what we had last weekend with Eddie Kingston, where it was, like, one of my my favorite TV matches of the year, and the promo was fantastic. And I'm, like, signing this guy to a long-term contract. And now you have this, where you're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't sign this guy. Maybe we already have... Yeah, you know what? I like that. Yeah, when when you look at it that way, that's kind of cool. When it it does definitely give it more of an open challenge feeling that yeah. a guy who you know isn't there yet at all can do it. Yeah, I guess their their production people should have taken the time to tell the story of who Warhorse is and why we needed to care about him. No promo. Watching oh. him watching him in that in that empty setting was so it had such go away heat for me. And he's super indie-rific. Like, there's nothing about him where I was like, if I saw that guy and I was still working for MLW, I'm, I wasn't going to be like, we need to bring him in. It's like I saw him and I was like... By design, to, by him, I mean, it seems like this kind of what he's going for. I, I don't know, but I don't know what he was going for before. You know, I'd done a little bit of research on him before. I read Justin Barrasso's interview with him on Sports Illustrated. And the, the my highlight of that interview was at the top where it was like, Warhorse asked for all of his uh, his quotes to be in caps. We did not do that, and that made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, his his entrance, he seemed excited to be there, and then as soon as the match started, I was like, "Oh, this kid does not belong on TV." And then at the end of this match, this is where I said I was going to bring up production being fucking terrible. They blew Matt Cardona's big return moment by by shooting it in such a shitty way where the audience saw him before you were supposed to see him which took away any impact of his big surprise, hey, there I am. Well, I think also what took away from the impact is he's beating up two fucking Dark Order guys, Dark Order guys that even you don't even know who they are, what the fuck is, you know. That and why are they attacking Cody? It doesn't even make sense. It's just an excuse to have him come out. I mean, that was really, really bad. And uh, yeah, I'll stand by that forever. Well, my, my guess is, and, and I don't know, because they set up that tag match next week, Dark Order against Cody and, and, uh, and Cardona, that Cardona is going to turn on him and join the Dark Order because they need to start replacing these 135-pound kids wearing masks from the Dark Order and have actual people. Yeah, and I think... Also next week, you have the Dark Order versus, what, the Bucks, FTR, Omega, and Page. So it's like... I mean, you have the Dark Order on a huge chunk of next week's television. So you're right. Like, are you going to combine those two matches in a storyline way? Otherwise, what the fuck am I watching? Why, why is Matt Cardona's first match tagging with Cody against these guys that we don't even know why they attacked Cody? 
Well, he came to save his friend, but then why was he backstage in the first place as opposed to jumping from the crowd? Well, it's just kind of uh, like he signed. He works here now. It, it just didn't yeah. work for me. He looks was, good. He looks great. It was yeah. just that I think production blew it from the surprise element where you saw him before you were supposed to, which is just sloppy camera blocking on their part, and they should know better. Um, I, 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 I think... It's, so bad. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so bad. Just can we just can we can we just can we just cut rope here? Like it's it's how how many more incarnations do we need of this fucking stable before we just give up on it? I I like what they're doing on being the elite. I I think they're funny on being the elite, but on TV, like it's just not working. Yeah, they don't look right. It's it's a bummer. And I, I know I, I love Brody Lee. I love Colt. Um, I think Colt works great in it. Colt's the highlight of of what they're doing for sure. He, he's funny in it, um, and you know he's he's a good promo. He's still good in the ring, but it, it it's just you know I just don't understand. It's like what is it now? It's like it just when you go back and forth between like okay this could be a funny BTE Colt Cabana kind of like kind of funny comedy sort of segment, and then all of a sudden it becomes you know, uh, the poor man's ministry the, the next week. I just, I, I just don't know what I'm, what I'm watching. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the unpopular opinion that I, that I would put forth, because I know why it's not the best idea, but I think with Brody Lee as the, the leader of this Dark Order thing, and you've got him, you've got Colt, uh, if you can pull in Cardona and then go out and sign Rowan and Rusev, and it's just a, a collective of, of dark, fucked-up guys that the WWE dropped the ball on, yeah. and that's why they're this cult. I think that would be more interesting than seeing uh, Evil Uno, who you know looks like he, he threw together a Halloween costume. Stu Grayson impressed the hell out of me tonight. I will say that. I thought he was really he's good. good. Yeah. But most of the guys in, in the Dark Order are just like skinny you know, indie kids that just showed up and they slapped a mask on them and they have, they pose no threat whatsoever. Yeah. Evil Uno looks like that guy from that terrible triple A match that we watched. Not psycho clown, but. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a real, like. (laughs) He's lost weight. He's lost weight, but uh, no, no muscle yet. No muscle yet. I'm going to skip over the Sheeta Diamante match. I didn't think it was that great. If you guys want to talk about it, let me know. Well, you skipped over the, the tag match too, but oh yeah, well it happened. It just it seemed real empty that that tag title match it was very empty. It didn't necessarily follow up much with the storyline they were going for last week. They were like hinting that Hangman was drunk throughout the day. I mean, if he was drinking with FTR, um, and yet he kind of acted irritable and drunk in the beginning of the match, but then that went away and they just won and it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah. Then we have the MJF state of the industry address. I really loved this by the end in the beginning. I thought it was a little bit overproduced. I'm like, does he need to be, I guess I've just seen so many like bad state of the union sort of speeches that WWE has tried to do and, I, I just don't – I think with, like, a character like MJF, you don't need that. And you know, him just calling out Moxley for being, you know, um, a poor man, Stone Cold Steve Austin, that, that works the, than having to do a whole 
Because it's just for me, like with the character, it's, and I, maybe they're trying to be ironic, like, like why would he care about anyone else in the business? So having a character that that's so selfish, give, like delivering a state of the industry speech, and, and I understand people saying, well, that's heat because he's like that, because it's like, you know, how hypocritical for him to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I just thought in the beginning it could have been a little less complicated. But, you know, ultimately I, I thought, uh, you know, MJF is still like the best, one of the best, if not the best promo uh, that they have. And uh, and, I, and I'm excited for the match. I, it's a part of me thinks that it's a little bit hot shotting it, but you know I'm excited for it. What do you guys think? Yeah. I'm biased. Yes, uh, I think he's an amazing promo. I think he's one of the best promos uh, in the business. I mean, especially considering his age, I'd say, well, hey, he's the best promo. Um, but this was like a face promo to me. This had like pipe bomb uh, vibes to it. Yeah, and, and and I kept thinking if there was a crowd here, which MJF is the best at still getting booed in in 2020, where that's like impossible for a heel, he gets it done. But I was watching this going, oh, a crowd would be cheering half of this. I think it depends. I think the fact that he was attacking Moxley, who's the super over babyface theoretically, that's why it's okay. And he was trying very hard to to make it as as heelish as possible. Like I said, I'm going to be super biased. When it comes to MJF, it's probably why I picked Dynamite over NXT because I, I enjoyed watching this immensely. Uh, it did feel a little overproduced in the beginning, but he, he made some of those moments like having the, uh, the woman in his administration come over and tell her she'd look prettier if she was smiling. And then she smiled as opposed to smacking him. It's like, all right, he, he's a dick, but he's the, the owner of this little world. Uh, the shot at Hogan was, was nice. Um, I think it's it's great. What was strange is the very next segment had Moxley, who doesn't even address anything going on with MJF. So it's like, are they in the same building? Do they live in the same universe? Was he not watching the show? What what the fuck's happening? Yeah, no MJF at the end. You know, I yeah, I thought that was weird. This is like a little bit Monday morning quarterbacking, but you know, I was saying to Scott last night. Like, why don't you just save save MJF versus Mox for when there's a crowd? And at the end of the show tonight, have fucking Darby turn on Moxley. That's a match I'd want to see. It would remind me of like, you know, Shades of, you know, straight edge society CM Punk. I mean, I would I would love to see that. But I I, I just you know, there's only like AEW's great, but there's they still theoretically have, you know, they they still have a finite finite amount of big matches they can pull off. So doing it all out, I just, I think it may be a little bit jumping the gun. That's fair. I, I, I really like, I mean, like, I think MJF's probably going to be their MVP for the next like five years. I just don't like, cause I don't want, I don't want the first match he has with Moxley um, is with him, you know, with Moxley going over, I want him to win the title. And I don't know if he's in a place where he should be the champ yet. But who knows? They, they've, they've got five weeks to convince me. Uh, the Tornado Tag Team match, uh, I, 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 really had, I, I really had a lot of fun with this. I mean, it's, it definitely, I mean, it was a little bit fucking, there, was, there were a lot of garbage spots. And, I mean, Jesus Christ, that, that tack bump that Ricky Starks took. Oh. Shit. And it, like, slid across him instead Fuck. of it being a direct thing. And- oh, it was brutal. It was so rough to watch. That cell, too, the shaking of the legs. 
Brian Cage does a thing that all, all douchey bodybuilders do is that like whenever they get like photographed, they have their mouth open in a really intense way. I don't, I don't yeah, know he's, what he's that's letting like. out a roar at but all times. Roar. It's almost like he's going to be like for members only. That's what I'm thinking <laughs> he's saying when he says. But anyway, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a good match. I, I am, even though I just bitched about, you know, hot shotting, and I don't know why they're doing Darby and Moxley again next week. Uh, I, I, you know, it's going to be a great match. I mean, they're two, they're two really fun characters. Like, I can't get pissed off if it's going to be a really fun match. Yeah, next week is stacked, too. I mean, you have, like, Orange Cassidy and Jericho in a debate. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of election stuff, the MJF thing, and now a debate next week. And Oh, Tony Khan's at, at, the, at 97 in terms of rewatching Raw. So he's starting to see all those different things. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, going to be a lot of weddings coming up. <laughs> yes, there, there's going to be three weddings. Hopefully none of them involve Ricky Starks, who that, that kid is, the, is an advertisement for why you need scripted promos. Um, <laughs> I liked his promo. His promo, was, his promo went on for 11 and a half minutes. It was so fucking long. Uh, it was longer than Money Plane. But uh, <laughs> Taz did have line of the night when he, he made Brian Cage stand in front of him because he's like, that'll piss somebody off because that's a big Vince thing uh, in terms of anybody that's your mouthpiece or your, your manager has to be like bag and angled to the side. So that was, that was fun, but uh, it, Ricky Starks doesn't come off as a, as a main event guy. I don't know why he's in there with, with Cage. Just felt kind of like... Eh. There's something about him I like. I don't know. He, he, he's like a, a throwback to not even a wrestler, just like a, a face you, haven't, you don't see anymore in things. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Like, there's something like uh... he kind of reminds like you of somebody like the kid who's too old to be in your high school. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. yeah, like when high school movies hired like 40 year old guys. That's what he looks That's like. He, he looks like a 45 year old playing a greaser. And he by looks the like way, the city, you know. Robert, we never got that story about you and Brian Cage uh, when you guys. Oh, that's right. So we got to hear that this week on Patreon. So please. Yes, I definitely will tell that this week on Patreon. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> Let's go through NXT really quick. This show is running long. Uh, Keith Lee responds to Karrion Cross. What do you guys think of this promo? He said bullshit. <laughs> I also didn't like, Dan, that you interrupted Keith Lee's promo. Uh, before carrying oh no sorry that was, was cameron grimes came out before never. i thought <laughs> Thank it was you. he's my goal weight grimes grimes is really good i like grimes yeah, yeah. i like him he, he's I, like a he's like a bad guy from huckleberry finn but i like him <laughs> yeah 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 he's like an old cartoon disney bad guy hopefully yes but hopefully like unlike excalibur he didn't say anything while a huck finn villain that's going to get him kicked off my tv <laughs> yeah. no that gets that gets you promoted with vince <laughs> <laughs> Look at Braun Strowman as their universal champion. Um, Finn Bauer versus Timothy Thatcher versus Dexter Loomis. Okay, this is this match is why I went with AEW being a better show. Like I thought NXT was on its way of being a better show, and then Dexter Loomis fucking tapped out Timothy Thatcher, who's my favorite guy they have. Yeah, that really bothered me. I can't believe they did that. It's like you have a guy fucking. Uh, take out take out Riddle in a in a match named after like a, a this snake pit match or snake I forget what it was 
and, and now you're just fucking burying him with this fucking Dexter ripoff. And, and also Thatcher, I mean, as U.S. Champ, uh, uh, North American champion, sounds really right. And like, if you make yeah. that a title of like fighters, and you're guaranteed a fighting great match, uh, you know, on every pay per view, like a uh, c- kind of like the Neverweight in uh, New Japan. Uh, but it looks like they're doing this goofy, like you know, freshest rising stars is what we're going for with North American, and eh, it doesn't really work with me. So I, I didn't mind the um, I didn't mind the finish. I think the match itself was basically Thatcher and Balor trying to have a match while keeping Loomis like to this, like just stay over here, buddy. Um, the the finish made sense in that Thatcher had Finn in a submission hold, and he had such confidence in his hold that he figured Finn was going to tap before he was going to pass out. So I think it plays to his his vanity and his ego that you know he passed out because the only thing with with Loomis they've established that that hold as a pretty devastating hold that Thatcher's the kind of douchebag that's like you know what I'm going to make Finn tap before I pass out. So I guess it was fine. I mean, I, th- I think it's like as you exp- it, how you explain it, and theoretically, it sounds better than how it looks. I guess you know. Yeah, I, I like Thatcher a lot, though, and I love Balor. I wish uh, I wish they would do something with him, like yeah. send him to New Japan. Yeah, yeah, because I don't even want it to be in NXT. It's like I don't even, but I just want to see him be great. But it ain't, it ain't here. Uh, Martinez went over Blackheart. Io Shirai and Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae. I love this match. Io Shirai is the best women's wrestler on the planet. Yeah, she's, she's unbelievable. so fucking fun to watch. What do what you guys think? I agree with you. This was, uh, this was a big reason why I, uh, I preferred NXT. It was a great match, and I think now that Kyrie Sane's gone, it's going to make it easier for Vince to know who Io Shirai is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny Gargano versus Roderick strong i think the internet liked this match more than i did i I just didn't i don't know it's always hard when two heels go against one another but this just felt kind of cold like you know it just didn't the the match just never felt you know like like essential i guess i think it was to put a period on the on the idea that this was strong hitting rock bottom so that when uh they all reunited later and attacked Imperium. It meant something. It's like, oh, now, now they're back. Now the Undisputed Era is, is getting their act together with Cole losing his mind and then Strong losing a couple of times. They needed to hit rock bottom, uh, I, I guess. But it, yeah, the match was fine. I think just a small thing that NXT should consider doing to try because they're in a war is they should make sure that none of their matches get broken up by commercials. That would be something different that you don't get otherwise. Uh, that would give them a competitive advantage. I, yeah, I mean, it just. Uh, I I just think that it's even it's it's like when every show has the same bad habits, it just becomes more glaring. And I think that that's WWE's in this. You know, if you hate the way that WWE goes to commercial breaks, you know, now there's three shows you can watch to see how you hate it. You know, like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it makes all the shows similar in ways that, that they shouldn't be. Like NXT, I think, is a way better show, you know, on 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 paper than than SmackDown. But because it has some of the same bad habits in your head, it kind of gets grouped into the same thing. Um, but ultimately, I thought, oh, and then Swer- Isaiah Scott versus Jake Atlas. 
and I think uh, Scott went over because he's going to be fighting for the cruiserweight title. Yep. And uh, yeah, ultimately, I did like Dynamite more than more than uh, more than NXT. But I, I really don't know anymore if it's just that you know there's seven hours of fucking WWE programming a week, and if there's only two hours of programming, I'm looking forward, you know, to the show more. I don't know. Anything without Tom Phillips, and I'm going to be happy. Uh, he's now on four hours of wrestling a week. That's a lot of just milk toast white guy talking. Is he like fucking Linda's pool boy? Like, how the fuck is he in the spot? <laughs> I, that's another one I'll tell on the Patreon on Sunday. <laughs> Number four, how would you guys book Big E's singles run? If you guys saw SmackDown this past week, uh, Kofi is injured and basically gave Big E... Uh, his blessing on on some sort of you know on on his singles run. Odds are this is going to lead to a feud with AJ Styles for the Intercontinental Championship. What, what would you guys What would you guys do? I, I'd give it to Big E. Yeah, would you with the IC title? You would you would, or would you have him go up against Braun or the Fiend or? No, I don't want I don't want to you know ruin him like that. Um, <laughs> I, I want I want him to fight uh, AJ Styles. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't want AJ Styles politics to get involved. Um, I just want it to be about wrestling and, uh, I want to see him crush it. I want to see him have great matches cause I know he has them in him. And, and I think everybody's been waiting for them for like fucking ever. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go with him. I think the idea of AJ calling him out for wasting his talent and, and just being a, uh, a singing, dancing cartoon character uh, should it ignite uh, a more intense biggie. You can't have him go for the world title because him and, and Braun is weird as a babyface, babyface match. And I, I don't want to wish anybody to have to work with Bray Wyatt because I don't want to see biggie drowned in a swamp. Yeah. Um, I, but and I, I want to see him on the mic. I want to see him. I, I want to see him cutting like, you know, great promos because I know he can do that too. Problem is on SmackDown, once you get past an AJ run, you could theoretically have him work with Miz and Morrison. But if he gets bogged down with Baron Corbin and uh. Sheamus, I mean, it's that would kill the momentum that, that he would theoretically have. Or do you have him? Do you have him go heel and like you know take out Daniel Bryan and almost do the reverse of the Kofi Daniel Bryan angle? I don't think they want to risk turning New Day heel. I think they make too much money off their merchandise to, to yep. really jeopardize it. Otherwise, it would be fun because then he could work with Daniel and work with Gulak and, and work with a bunch of guys and, and have really great matches. Number five, Jeff Hardy, Kerry Sane. And are they finally leaving things with exiting employees on good terms? I, it just seems like the, the for the first time, like with the package that they put together for Kari, and with Jeff Hardy going over last Friday, it seems like they're not trying to burn every bridge. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being uh, idealistic here, but it, it just seems like uh, the old WWE would have like you know had Kari Sane being you know thrown into a, a kiddie pool of pig shit or what, whatever you know. Well, Kyrie Sane will be is basically now gone, but not forgotten because she's going to be in Japan. And if they expand NXT to Japan, which eventually is their plan, I didn't mean to rhyme so much there. Kyrie's there, and I think the only reason why she's leaving is because she got married. 
and she wanted to be by her husband as opposed to traveling with the WWE. So they see her as an ambassador in Japan and someone they can lean on. And Jeff Hardy, you know, he needs to stay in good graces with him for the next time he needs to go to rehab. <laughs> Scott? Yeah, I actually think uh, that's what it is. I, I think they fully believe Kyrie is going back to Japan and um, for the moment retiring from wrestling. Uh, and so I think they want to leave that door open so they can work with her when they go to Japan. I think if they thought she was sticking around and going to AEW, it would be a lot different. Speaking of Japan, we're up to number six, Scott's New Japan Corner. Oh, boys. Did you hear any New Japan news this week? Did you guys hear about a new thing that might be kind of sort of the dumbest? Um, well, was this the tournament that's coming up? Or? Oh, buddy, buddy, buddy. It's a title without having an actual title, okay? So um, they had Okada announce it. Apparently, this is Okada's idea. It is a title they will be uh, debuting at Summer Struggle at a Jingu Stadium. It's going to be at a baseball stadium August 29th. It's going to be a headline by uh, Evil versus Naito. So we're getting that rematch. Uh, Hiromo, who's injured, he got hurt, but he's going to be back by August 29th. He's fighting Taiji Ishimori for the junior heavyweight. But, okay, here, listen to this title, okay? It's called the KOPW 2020 title, okay? Um, it's, uh, they're going to have a competition, like eight men, four matches initially, right? Um, and then what it is is whoever advances. Um, so, so the way this match is defended is say it's me versus Dan, right? Well, I pick a stipulation that I would like the match to be, and then Dan picks a stipulation he would like the match to be. And then the fans vote on who decided, you know, who, who thought of the better match idea. And then we have that match. And that how that, that's how that title, which isn't a title, uh, gets defended. By the end of the year, whoever's holding the title by the end of the year um, gets a trophy for it. And then the next year, they start the tournament over. And then it's the... Uh, it's just like a weird game. And of it's the KOPW 2021 oh title, which again... There is no actual title, and it's so fucking confusing and stupid. You know what it is? It, it, it's, it's Japan, really, they only do singles matches, tag matches. That's it. This is a way for, for fans to see guys like Okada in uh, steel cage matches, to see them in ladder matches, which is cool. It does build up their resume in that way, and it does, it does maybe bring some more eyes to the show in a sense that it's like, oh my God, did you hear Okada's going to be fighting Suzuki in a, uh, in a steel cage, which it's like, what? New Japan doesn't have steel cage matches. That's very cool. The issue is instead of just doing that naturally within feuds, they're making it, oh, because this title exists where the competitors get to have ideas and then you vote. And then it's like, oh, do you think the voting is going to get our eyes on it? Because it's interactive and and, and so instead of showing up, at least we're being actively trying to watch you because, oh, I wonder if my vote counted. It's just so stupid and shit to me. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, New Japan's online present. Like, they still have a lot of kinks to work out on their New it's Japan. It's so, dude, it's fucking, I feel like every time I type in the site and, and hit enter, I'm going to hear, I look forward to going to AOL keyword NJPW to vote for <laughs> the first ever New Japan Swamp Fight. 
Yeah. I don't even know if they have swamps in, in Japan, but... And then uh, it's like, how do you vote? Like, I mean, again, you're right. It's like, are we going to have to use your website to vote? Are we going to have to have a fucking Hotmail account to yeah. vote? Number it's seven. The crash. Big Show says Peter Dinklage is his acting inspiration. I thought of Robert when I read when I read this. Makes sense. I mean, both of them have just disproportionate heads. So I think that's why <laughs> Big Show is like, oh, I could totally be like that. You know, my, my head's kind of shaped like a peanut and so is Peter Dinklage's and uh, he became successful. So I could, I could do the same thing. Maybe he thinks Peter Dinklage is like CGI small and he's really just regular size. And that's, <laughs> that's Big Show's hope down the road. Yeah, he's uh, talking well, about- <laughs> In a capture, capture motion outfit. He's talking about him in Guardians of the Galaxy when he's a giant. He just thinks that's who he is. He's like, I really like <laughs> I could do that. It actually uh, makes sense, though, right? It's like as an actor, like if you're like pretending, you know, that that's like a true skill and you want to sound like an artist, you would go, oh, well, he's small, I'm large. And as an actor, he, he, has, to, he has to, in a sense, acknowledge that yeah, but and, he kind of, and, and kind of uh, uh, use the room in a way that nobody else would because of his size, which I am also doing. He's also doing the same thing. It's just, you know, he's big, Peter's small. So to be fair, big, big Show thinks that Peter Dinklage is Dink, the clown, so that's why he picked him. <laughs> when, uh, when you worked with the Big Show, Robert, what, do you, what did you use to inspire him? Uh, he was a, a, a warm, friendly individual that was an absolute pleasure to be. No, he was... A, he was I, I had him at the at the height of asshole big show. I, most of the guys I work with, I had at the height of them being the worst, or in Benoit's case, on the cusp of being the worst. Um, <laughs> big show at that point was probably around the heaviest he had ever been. Everything hurt. Chairs were uncomfortable for him to sit in. Anytime you talk to him, it was like it was like pulling teeth to try to get him to do anything. Um, yeah. If I put a trail of cheeseburgers, I could have got him to the pre-tape room. <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like to be walking around with that much weight. I mean, I can't imagine in a couple of years from now if quarantine keeps going the way it's going for me, but I, I, I cannot imagine what it would be like to be fucking 500 pounds and to like squ- squeeze into like a Hertz rent-a-car. I mean, what a nightmare. So, I mean, I kind of can because my wife and I have been watching a lot of House Hunters and then House Hunters International. And if I lived anywhere but the United States, I would be a 3,000-pound monster in every one of these little apartments that they live in. There was one where, like, in their kitchen, there was a shower. I was like, nope, fuck this. I'm that, I am not built for Europe. <laughs> oh, all right. Number eight, shoot of the week. Or it could be an, something as asinine as a joke. Offbeat tweet or scathing shoot review interview. Guys, somebody who broke kayfabe and uh, in your favorite way this past week. Scotty? Uh, so I finally listened to the Good Brothers on Talking Shop. Um, I listened to it on I'm uh, Chris Van Vliet show. He does a really great job interviewing a, a lot of these guys. And uh, yeah, he interviewed the Good Brothers. And uh, holy shit, they were so funny. And they really, uh, they shot. They uh they kind of went off on what they feel about the WWE and the Heyman the Heyman thing you know like seeing it on Twitter I didn't quite understand the hate for Heyman it's like well he's not truly responsible for getting you guys fired but when you listen to the interview uh yeah apparently it was kind of his call he suggested it he, they weren't on Vince's list and he kind of put them there 
What do you think, Robert? Uh, mine goes to the Viper, Randy Orton. Uh, there was a, a, a tweet on Pro Wrestling Sheets uh, about AJ Styles, who has been criticized for this flat earth thing where he, he claimed, uh, all I said was it was kind of an interesting theory. And then Randy Orton's reply was, that's bullshit, hashtag Earth to AJ Styles. Um, <laughs> so Randy Orton getting a lot of love on the show today. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just kind of the best. I'm going to go with uh, Rusev. I guess now he's Miro. Uh, he didn't really tweet anything. He just, I think he changed his bio. He's no longer a wrestler. He's just a professional twitcher now. So I, 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 I kind of like, uh, I don't know, I like, I like any guy who uh, doesn't take fucking wrestling seriously because it's, uh, it's the opposite of whatever Bret Hart suffers from. Number nine, people say that Rock Austin would be a dream presidential ticket. What ticket would be the nightmare? For me, I'm going to go with Jannetty Sonny because uh, <laughs> every single presidential debate would just turn into an episode of Cops. What do you guys think? Who are the two, in your opinion, the two wrestlers you think would be the worst pick uh, for a president and vice president? We'll start with you, Robert. I'm going Cornette and Russo because you'd have the first ever president, vice president, murder, suicide situation there. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I, I, if you go by WWE Hall of Famers, Trump might be the worst. But I think uh, putting Jim Cornette and Russo in office and seeing what happens would be, uh, would be fun for a week until the nukes start flying. Scott? I know legally uh, one of these men can't run for president because he lives in another country, but Brett and Sean would be, uh, would be the absolute worst <laughs> running mates. Um, president Brett would be the worst thing in, in the world. I think uh, I, I, I would really love to see him start up a company. <laughs> just the rah -rah. That happens. Yeah. Like the, the, the rain cloud that is just over that ring every night. I gotta say See, that, Sean, would be, Sean would be great. He's a hell of a politician. I think yes, he would but get with shit Brett, done. With Brett. I would love to see uh I would I would love to see a Vince Russo uh campaign speech. Bro. Yeah, I think he's, honestly he's probably doing those now. <laughs> well they had a who was the guy that, that killed himself? Ludwig Borga, right? He ran was it in Finland? What was like he had a weird thing because he was like I think he was like he was like pro and well, he was a Nazi also a Nazi he was like yeah. the first ever like green Nazi. Well, we don't know what Hitler's. Well, Hitler may have been pro environment. Well, we don't, I guess he was, was gonna. Aryan, that's true. He was gonna. He was gonna eradicate all these people and then destroy the earth. Like no, he wanted to preserve the. I don't know why. Now I'm I'm, I'm anti Big Show pro Hitler all of a sudden. What the <laughs> fuck happened on this show? <laughs> All right, and number 10, good news, Rey Mysterio's eye is fine. Somebody, somebody saw him, uh, you know, in, in real life this week, and he did not have his eye injured, so. How'd they know it was him? You're right. It's true. They don't, they don't know. They don't I kind of hope that they redo the uh, don't try this at home with the, you know, how do you fall off a ladder? And then it's the Rey Mysterio with his eye hanging out. <laughs> I don't think they have to run those commercials anymore because nobody under 50 watches that show. <laughs> they, they need to keep dads healthy. Yeah. All right, folks. That's the end, of, uh, the end of our episode this week. Let's go around. Zach, first off, are you, uh, are you happy that Ray Mysterio's eye is fine? And uh, what, do you, what do you want to promote? 
no, fuck Ray Mysterio and his eye. Oh, uh, shit. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if it's not there, you got an open hole, so go for it. <laughs> Cue Dexter Loomis putting Vaseline on his penis. A 61969. <laughs> uh, uh, follow Twitter, uh, Total F and Marks. Uh, yeah, Dan was right. We, we're, we're going up. So keep sharing this with your friends. And uh, thanks for watching. Uh, buy our shirt, still on Pro Wrestling Tees. And join the Patreon for all of Robert's fun WWE stories. Did we lose any patrons from Money Plane? We gained. Uh, gained. Uh, hilariously, yes. We actually lost one subscriber. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I want his name. <laughs> uh, that's our bad. All right, I've learned my lesson. Uh, um, Scott? Uh, please support the Patreon. I'm really excited about this week's. Um, I actually have never seen Brett versus Bulldog at SummerSlam. And, uh, oh, man, I'm just going to be so excited to uh, to watch and then review it for you. So tune into that. Also listen to me on Garbage Days, another podcast I have uh, that you can listen to on any podcast player. Whatever you call those. Yep, that's it. Robert? Uh, definitely check out the Patreon. I think the Money Plane episode is alone is worth the price of admission. We had a hell of a lot of fun with one. Yeah, of that's the a most great episode. It was a great episode of, great uh, episode. of the show. Um, this Saturday, uh, check out Talkin' Shopamania on pay-per-view anywhere. Gallows and Anderson have put together an absolutely ridiculous uh, pay-per-view event. Uh, and then lastly, if you're uh, if you're like me and in, in Florida or anywhere on the East Coast, get ready for Tropical de- Depression Isaiah. So hopefully I will be here to survive and see this show on Sunday. But I think Mother Nature knew I oh picked a God, bunch of good matches. Right. You guys yeah. just fucking can't get a goddamn break. No, Mother Nature knew I picked a bunch of good matches to watch instead of fucking swamp fights and money playing. And the universe <laughs> like, nope, fuck them. We're sending a hurricane. Yeah, folks, please just keep uh, keep listen to the show keep down with the show a five-star review on itunes would really help and thank you uh thank you everyone who's become uh, a patron we we really appreciate it six we, stars if you're Meltzer. <laughs> we'll see you we'll see you monday if you're on patreon and next thursday if you uh are just a bunch of deadbeats talk to you later <laughs>